Good morning, Central Baptist Church family. Good morning to you two who are joining us. If you are watching um, this live stream, um, we, um, as the announcement of the president last Sunday evening, indicated that we will be um, in a lockdown for um, two weeks, and um, but we don't know how long those two weeks will be because uh, even last year we had um, a 21-day lockdown, which turned um, to be um, more than that. But we still thank God for the opportunity and these avenues, these technological avenues, that we are able to still hear God's word while the church um, is not gathering. Um, we thank God that he speaks and he continues to speak even in these kind of times. Um, we have been in Mark, um, um, the gospel according to Mark, looking at this series. Um, now we are in chapter 3. We've been in chapter 1 up until chapter 2. Now we enter in chapter 3. Uh, we're making a bit of progress. Uh, chapter 3 verse 1 to 12 will be the verses that we will be concerned with, focusing on this morning. And my title um, will be um, a heart check or um, just want to ask the question of how's your heart. Um, so we will be doing a heart check this morning. Let's read from Mark chapter 3 uh, verse 1 to 12. I read from the ESV. Follow me as I read God's word. Again he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a weeded hand and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the weeded hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed him, followed him, followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Edomia, and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd had all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had uh, diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever they, the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. This is the word of God. Let us take time and pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you for your word. Your word is life for our souls. We pray that as we hear your word this morning, that you will use it to sanctify us. You will use it to draw us closer to yourself. You will use it as an encouragement. You will use it to rebuke us in areas where we express unbelief and hardness of heart. We pray that you draw us to yourself. Give me clarity of speech in clarity of thought, I pray for every single person who hears your word, that you may uh, bless them and draw them to yourself. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the, the ethnic ministry of the Lord Jesus was surrounded by disagreement. And controversy swelled around everything the Lord Jesus did. And it seemed that everything Jesus did made the religious Jews angry. Every word and every work was placed under the microscope of their judgmental attitude. Their hatred of Jesus eventually resulted in his death on the cross. We have seen for a couple of weeks as we went through Mark, a couple of controversies that Jesus found himself controversy because he forgave a man's sin, controversy um, because he, he, he ate in the home of a sinner, controversy um, because he um, allowed the disciples to eat grain on, on the Sabbath. Now, now the, the Pharisees, this passage is a continuation of the same controversy that we looked at the last time, the, the controversy in, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. That the Pharisees have followed Jesus to the synagogue. They are looking for some way to trap him, to discredit him and destroy his ministry. In fact, we will see here that they will stop at nothing to see that happen. As we study this text, we will see three different types of hearts on display. And as we move through these verses today, I want you to examine your own heart. As I share the hearts revealed in this text, I want you to answer this question. How's your heart? I want you to, to examine yourself and to take a heart check. It may be that the Lord will allow you to see your own heart today. If he does, and there are problems, you can come to him and he will fix um, whatever may be wrong in your life. Let's notice the hearts that are on display in these verses. And let's see if we can encounter ourselves in these verses. And more importantly, let's see if we, if we can encounter Jesus in these verses. I want you to preach on the subject, as I said, a heart check, on, or asking the question, how's your heart? Let's look at the first heart, right? Uh, the first heart, we see the, the, heart, the hard heart of the Pharisees. The hard heart of the Pharisees. Look at verse 1 and verse 2. We are told that a man was there with a withered hand. Right? The, the word withered here means it was paralyzed. An ancient Christian tradition tells us that this man was a stonemason who had injured his hand on the job in an accident. And as the story goes, he heard that Jesus was in town and he came to seek healing from the Lord. But others speculate that this fellow is actually a plant, right? Um, a bait in a way. Some people believe that this man was placed in the congregation by the Pharisees in an effort to trap Jesus. And I feel that this view is in line with the flow of the text, if you read the text. The, the, the most likely scenario is that they found this man and said something like, like this. So, so we hear that you have injured your hand. Man, uh, that, that sure is painful. Well, come with us to the synagogue. That fellow, Jesus, will be there today. He can heal, uh, he can heal you, you know. If you go with us, there's a good chance that he will heal your hand. And wouldn't you like that? Come, go with us. So either, either they, they, they had planted this man or they had spotted him in the crowd. Either way, the text tells us they were watching Jesus to see what he will do. So you can see that they were anticipating that there's something that's going to happen here. They were watching, waiting, so that they can trap him. 
they are still smarting uh, from their encounter with, with the Lord in the, in the wheat field. They want to find evidence against them that he is a lawbreaker. They are looking for any excuse to put an end to his ministry and his life. Now look at verse 5. We see their problem here. Jesus know, knew what they were doing. So he, he calls for the injured man to come here. But Jesus asked a very simple question. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save a life or to kill? And they have no answer for Jesus because any answer they might have would have contradicted their own teachings. The, the, the problem with these men and with, with, with people like, like them today is that they could have cared less about the needs of a poor injured man. All they cared about was their rules and their ways. Jesus knew their problem. He knows their problem. Mark tells us that they suffered from hardness of heart. These men had been confronted with truth many times and they continually rejected that truth. As a result, their hearts became hard. They were hardened. The word for hardness is the word for is the word porosis. It was a name of a type of marble used in the ancient world. Jesus knew that their hearts were as hard and as unyielding as a piece of marble. The, the, the word eventually came to be used of something covered with the colors. The continuing rubbing of the skin will produce colors. In the same way, continued rejection of the truth will cause the heart to become spiritually calloused. The calloused heart will get to the place where it will not hear the voice of the Lord. The calloused heart will not respond to the call of the Lord. They become hardened against the Lord. Now look at verse 6. They are plot in verse 6. In verse 6, the Pharisees went out and immediately held a council with the Herodians against them, how to destroy him. When Jesus healed this man, they were outraged. They, they considered this healing to be work. Right? In reality, all that the man did was stretched out his hand. That there was no work involved and there was no violation of the Mosaic law. But, but truth doesn't matter to, to people like Pharisees. All, all that mattered to them was their narrow interpretation of things. They left that, that meeting and immediately sought out the Herodians. The Herodians were, were secular Jews who supported the government of, of Herod the king. They also believed, like the Sadducees, that they, they, uh, um, they believed the same thing as the Sadducees, that they Jews had a duty to submit to the Roman rule. These people were secularists who had little concern for religious matters. They liked the changes the Romans had brought about in Israel. Like the Pharisees, they didn't like Jesus because they saw him as a threat to the peace and stability of the nation. The Pharisees and the Herodians were, were bitter enemies. They, they were on the opposite sides of every issue, but they found common ground in their hatred of the Lord Jesus. So they formed a plot to find a way to destroy him. The, the, the word destroy here means to utterly do away with a person or a thing. 
They wanted Jesus dead and they, they set out to accomplish that end. There's a bit of irony in this story, if you, if you read. There's a, as well a lot of hypocrisy. These men are upset because Jesus dared to heal a man on the Sabbath. But they have no problem plotting a murder on that day. And that is evidence of the hardness of their hearts. The, the, the colors around their hearts have caused them to become colored toward God and man. And that is a dangerous place to be. Before we leave this matter of a hard heart, some, some very serious thoughts need to be considered. Let me uh, give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, if you, if you have never been saved, there's a danger that your heart might become hardened against the gospel. Every time you say no to God, your heart becomes calloused. After a while, the gospel message will cease to speak to your heart. If, if the Lord is calling you to come to Jesus, come while you, you can still hear his voice. Come while your heart is tender. Come while you still can. Come now. Don't delay. Don't delay while you still can, while your heart is tender, while your heart still hears the voice of the Lord, do not reject the voice of the Lord, but draw near to Him. Come to Him. Secondly, what I want you to consider is that if you are saved, your heart can become hard too. You can get to a place where you refuse to listen to the voice of the Spirit. This is called grieving the Holy Spirit. Um, when you look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, when you refuse to listen to the Lord, you will lose your sensibility, your sensitivity as well to Him and to His ways. The more, the more we move away from the Lord, the more we feel like we don't need him. So we must be careful that we don't get to a point where our hearts are so hard that we become stubborn sheep that doesn't hear the voice of our shepherd. We, we ought to strive to maintain a tender heart toward the Lord. The way to do so is to live close and clean. When he speaks, either in his word or in a still, small voice, you do exactly what he says to you without hesitation or delay. When we refuse to listen and to obey, we cause our hearts to become calloused. Over time, we don't obey and listen to the Lord. You see, a callus is really just a scar tissue, right? Scar tissue is insensitive to feeling. When a heart becomes calloused, it loses its, its sensitivity to the Lord. Here's another thought. We who are saved must never reach the place where we lose our compassion for those who need the Lord. It is so easy to become like the Pharisees in our thinking. Far too many Christians get to the place where they are just happy to be saved. That they seem to forget that there was a time when they too needed the Lord. That they forget that there are multitudes around us who need a Savior. As believers, we need a constant reality check. We must keep our own salvation experience fresh in our hearts so that we do not develop a callous heart. Now we see the hard heart of the Pharisees 
not only that secondly we see the holy heart of the savior the holy heart of the savior stands out in striking contrast to the hard hearts of the pharisees let's see um, his heart in action here look at verse 3 his command in verse 3 and he said to the man with the withered hand come here Jesus knows what they are up to. He knows that this whole thing is designed as a trap to ensnare him. But he also knows that this man needs healing. And, and Jesus is determined to do the right thing be, be, regardless of the personal cost. So he tells the man to come here. Jesus calls him to come and stand before him, before the whole crowd. What he is about to do will not be done in a corner. Jesus wanted everyone present to see the power of God at work. By the way, that is, the, that is his intention in your life and mine. Whether he calls you to come to him for salvation, or if you are walking with him day by day, he wants you to use your life to display the glory of God. Jesus is not calling people to be incognito Christians, to be secret, uh, you know, to be... Uh, what do you call a James Bond Christian where you nobody knows who you really are. But when the Lord saves a soul, he does so for his own glory. He expects that person, that saved person to stand forth and give testimony to the work of God in their heart. If you are saved, the Lord is determined to use your life for his glory. You are a walking advertisement to the power of God to change lives and make lost people into new creatures for the glory of God. He wants you to stand forth and show a lost world what he can do through you. Now look at verse 4. His confrontation now. Jesus confronts the obvious hypocrisy of the Pharisees by asking them two simple and straightforward questions. Is it lawful to do good or evil on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to save a life or to take a life? William Buckley gives us some insight into the mindset of the Jews regarding medical treatment on the Sabbath. This is what he says. He said medical attention could be given only if a life is in danger. To take some examples, a woman in childbirth might be held on the Sabbath. An infection of the throat might be treated. If a wall fell on someone, enough might be cleared away to see whether he was dead or alive. If he was alive, he might be helped. If he was dead, the body must be left until the next day. A fracture could, be, could not be attended to. Cold water might not be poured on a sprained hand or foot. A, a, a cut finger might be bandaged with a plain bandage, but not with ointment. That is to say, at the most, an injury could be kept from getting worse. It must not be made better. The man Jesus is facing would have been no worse off to have waited until the next day for healing. But for the Lord, this was an opportunity to address the hypocrisy of their belief system. I would happen to believe that calling the man to the front also um, in front of the crowd was, and asking these questions was 
all an effort to awaken sympathy in the hearts of the Pharisees. Jesus was using this moment to try and touch their hearts, but his efforts failed. Look at verse 5, we see his dismay here. When they refused to answer his questions, Jesus became angry. The word angry comes from a word that he used to describe sap rising in a tree. It is the idea of anger that builds and builds until there is a release of emotion. The, the, the longer Jesus sat in that service with the, with the hardened uh, 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 Pharisees, the angrier he became. This is, only explicit, this is the only explicit reference to his anger in the Gospels. His holy anger. Now what was it that made Jesus so angry? First, he's angry because their hearts are hard. They have continually refused to acknowledge the power and presence of God, and he is offended. Secondly, he's angry because they have more concern for their man-made rules than they do for a man made, for a man who needs help. We are also told that he was grieved. The, this word means to feel pain or, or sorrow. Their attitude toward this fellow man broke the Savior's heart and it made him angry. I would venture to say that it grieves our Lord and makes him angry when people refuse to hear the truth and do what is right. Look at your own life right now. Does the Lord have reason to be grieved with you? Are you turning a blind, a, a, a deaf ear to the truth? Do you refuse to hear his voice? Have you allowed your heart to become calloused toward the needs of others? Does it bother you that people are headed to hell? Do you care that your fellowship with the Lord is not what it ought to be? Does it bother you to know that your own heart is growing harder by the day? Go back to verse 5. We see his compassion here. In spite of their attempt to trap him, Jesus told the man to stretch out his hand. When he did it, it was healed. In spite of his anger at their hypocrisy, Jesus still had compassion on the man with the withered hand. Jesus didn't come to this world to get caught up in religious debates over the keeping of man-made rules. Jesus came to this world to extend compassion to those who needed help. This poor man could not solve his problem, but Jesus could, and he did. Jesus did. I was in the same shape one day. Jesus, I didn't have a withered hand as this man, but I had a withered soul. I was dead toward God and spiritually paralyzed. Jesus moved in compassion and brought life to my soul. And thank God that he loved me when I was unlovable and that he was willing to save me by his grace in spite of what I was. He drew near to me. He called me to himself with my weighted soul and he made me whole. He can make, make you whole as well. He can, he, he's calling you even today. He's calling you this morning to draw near to him, to come to him. He will make you whole. So we saw the heart 
hearts of the Pharisees. And we have seen the holy heart of the Savior. In the remaining verses of our text, we see the hopeful hearts of the multitudes. The hopeful hearts of the multitudes. That's the, the third heart. Jesus had just been officially rejected by the religious leaders here. However, there's, great, there's a great multitude of people that see in Jesus the answer to their prayers and the fulfillment of their hopes and dreams. This we see in verses 7 to verse 9. Let's look at their hearts before we close today. Look at verse 10. When they saw, uh, we, we, what they saw in Jesus, right? The, the, the people saw what he had done for others and believed by faith that he could do the same for them. Well, when the Pharisees looked at Jesus, they saw a rebel. They saw a man who was trying to overthrow their position and take away their power. When the common man looked at Jesus, he saw a healer, a savior, and a messiah. The, the average man saw all the promises and plans of God uh, fulfilled in Jesus. Look at verse 10 again. What they saw, what they sought from Jesus. So we see what they saw in Jesus, and again what they sought from Jesus. These great multitude pressed upon him because they wanted to experience his healing power. They wanted his power to be unleashed in their lives. These people were looking for life change and they, 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 they saw the potential for that in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 8 and verse 11, we see what they said about Jesus. While the religious leaders were plotting to kill the to kill Jesus, the common man was spreading the word about him. Everywhere across the nation of Israel, the people were talking about the man, the man from Galilee. Even the, the evil spirits were talking about Jesus. Jesus rebuked the demons for two reasons. First, Jesus refused to allow the, the devil to determine the movement and timing for his ministry. Second, he did not want to be identified with evil spirits. And here's the point. Uneducated, common people, even demons, had more sense than the religious leaders of the day. They saw Jesus as a threat. The average person saw Jesus as the one who offered them hope. Now the question to you, my brothers and sisters, my friend, is what do you see when you look at Jesus? What do you see when you look at Jesus? Do you see a poor fellow who got himself crucified on a cross? Do you see a man with strange ideas who went around preaching uh, love and doing good? Or do you see a savior? Do you see a man who died for your sins and who calls you to come to him for the help you need? Do you see in Jesus the hope and help for your soul? If you can see and acknowledge that you, you have needs in your life today, you are in a position to receive help. If you can see that Jesus is ready and able to help you, you are just a prayer away from the very help you need. The Pharisees could see that their own needs, uh, they, they, I mean, they, the Pharisees could not see their own needs, so they received no help. You remember at the house of Levi, right? 
and, 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 and they were just angry that Jesus Christ is eating with sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus Christ speaks about himself as a, a physician. And a physician has come for those who are sick and not those who are well. The Pharisees did not see their true condition. They thought they were well, but they were not really well. But they were blind to their own situation. They could not see their own need. They are someone who denies the fact that they are sick. Doesn't want to go see the doctor. Their body deteriorates, but they still deny that they are sick. They don't want to see the doctor. They, 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 they end up, unfortunately, dying. That was the Pharisees. The remedy for their malady was there. It was there. But they looked at him and they refused him. They looked at him and they plotted his death. What about you? Is your heart needy? Are you ready to come to Jesus and get the help you need? Then tarry no longer. Do not delay. Come to him and allow him the opportunity to change your life forever. A.W. Tozer used to tell the story of the governor of a Midwestern state who disguised himself and went into prison for a day to learn of their conditions. While speaking with a likable young convict, he felt a strong desire to pardon him. What would you do, he asked casually, if the governor were to offer you a pardon? The convict said, the first thing I'll do is cut the throat of the judge who sent me here. The governor was saddened as he broke off the conversation and left. The convict stayed in his cell. What was his problem? He had been convicted, but he had allowed his heart to become hard. He could not be helped because of a hard heart. Now, what is the Lord telling you today? Is he calling you to come to Jesus to be saved? If so, then come and do not harden your heart. Is he calling you to repent of some sin and turn back to Jesus? If so, then come and do not harden your heart. Is he calling you to be more like Jesus in your compassion toward the lost and the needy? If so, then come and do not harden your heart. Regardless of what he's calling you to do, you come and do it. You see, hardening your heart against the call of God is a serious matter. You will reach a place where you can no longer hear him. You will reach a place where he will abandon you to your decision. Where he gives you over to your sin. You will reach a place where the Lord will allow you to go your own way. I also read a book by C.S. Lewis and he says in the book uh, there are two things that the Lord says there are two things um, between you and the Lord it's either you say to the Lord your will be done which is a great thing and it shows the work of God in your heart or the Lord saying to you your will be done. 
which is not a great thing. Now the question is, is he calling? Is he calling you? Listen to his voice and do whatever it is that he's calling you to do. Do it today. Do it now. He's calling you. His arms are open. Don't be like the Pharisees who hardened their hearts. Be like the crowds who pressed around him, drew near to him, wanted him. Because he is the way, the truth, the life. Outside of him, you will know no hope. Outside of him, you will know no peace. Outside of him, you will know no true joy. It is him alone who is our joy. It is him who is our hope. It is him who is our peace. Come to him. Listen to his voice as he calls. Amen. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Thank you that you drew near to us so that we can draw near to you. I pray for those who do not know you, Lord, who may be listening to this, watching this. I pray that you may convict them and draw them to yourself. For the sake of your name and your kingdom, we pray. Amen.